Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Angus. Hi, I'm Paul Spain, and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode 97. This is a special episode uh, where we spend some time talking uh, with one of the staff from Skype, based in the UK. Right, let's jump in. I'm here with uh, Derek Snyder. Uh, Derek, you're with uh, you're with Skype. Tell us a little bit about where you uh, where you fit into the Skype picture. You're based out of London, is that right? That's right. Yeah, I'm based out of London, and I look after the global product marketing for all of our mobile platforms. So what we do on Android, iOS, Windows Phone, and indeed a lot of what we're doing now with Windows 8. As more and more um, we're moving into hybrid form factors, tablets and convertibles, those types of things. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about what the unique uh, elements are of, uh, of Skype running on Windows 8 and the Windows Phone 8 platforms? Uh, understand this is a little bit of a departure uh, in some ways from the traditional Skype applications that we've seen in years gone by. Yeah, that's right. You know, I think over the last nine years or so of uh, Skype's history, you know, we've primarily been this this application that's run really well and has been designed originally for PCs and for Macintoshes that were, you know, at your house, plugged into an Internet connection, plugged into power that was constant. And so as a result, you know, we architected a product in a way that would take advantage of those things. It would run on a peer-to-peer network, which gave you great quality, great reliability. But at the same time, we didn't really have to think about the increasing move towards a mobile world where applications go to sleep because battery life needs to be preserved, performance needs to be maintained. Um, so as we continue to move towards a mo- mobile world, and we see certainly with Windows 8, a platform that truly does um, straddle the uh, kind of the transition between uh, tablet form factors traditional PCs, as well as laptops, you know, we knew this was an opportunity for us to change the way that Skype worked. Um, and so what we really wanted to do with, with initially these apps on Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8 um, was create an always-on and always-connected version of Skype. So the idea is that no matter what you're doing, no matter whether or not you've restarted your PC or you haven't actually tapped on the Skype icon, um, you are always available and always reachable for calls and chats, so you don't really miss a moment. Um, And that was kind of a key thing for us, is that people don't need to think about um, Skype as an occasion, but instead it can be this thing that they do every day. So your your mobile device now becomes a little bit like a uh, a little bit like a phone. You turn it on, it can receive phone calls as well as that. When you turn it on, it can receive Skype calls. Is that is that how it works effectively? Yeah, yeah. So certainly on Windows 8, you know, of course, the PC today doesn't have any any communications natively built in, right? So we are adding the ability to call and things like that to the PC. So that's that's all new and that's that's value, you know, for any anybody that's using, you know, a Windows PC or a Windows tablet or Slate or whatever. Um, on the phone side, you know, you do indeed have a traditional dialer and you have texting and things like that. So what we wanted to do is when the application's installed, we wanted to seamlessly integrate into the way the phone works. And so, you know, to be able to go to the People Hub, which is basically the contact list on Windows Phone, and be able to see all of your Skype contacts and to be able to automatically pop into Skype to start a Skype conversation or a video call or an audio call with those contacts. We also wanted to use the same incoming call screen that Windows Phone uses today. So that Skype calls come in and they appear as if they are any other call. Um, you know, of course, we have the little Skype logo. You know, if you answer the call, you know, you can you can switch into video, etc. Um, and the other thing we wanted to do, again, is, is deliver chats and messages in a way that, again, 
exists in the Windows Phone framework, right, for the design. So you know, they're very big on this thing called Live Tiles, which brings, you know, information right to the surface so you don't have a static grid of icons but instead have these things that light up with notifications and tell you what's going on. Well, we, of course, took advantage of that by having the Skype um, application available both on Windows 8 and on Windows Phone 8 with Live Tiles that not only show you your unread message count but actually will show you the um, most recent message that you received in a little preview. We also use things like a lock screen icon so that if you're on your phone or you're on your tablet running Windows 8, you don't even have to unlock the screen to see if you're missing anything on Skype. So, again, really moving toward this never missing a moment, you know, being always reachable with Skype without having to necessarily go into the app all the time. That's great. Now, uh, I guess from an outside perspective, up up until, uh, you know, the announcements around Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8, uh, you know, I, I guess people could be forgiven for thinking maybe uh, Skype was, was sitting on their hands a little bit because we hadn't really seen a whole lot of uh, uh, new innovation uh, since the acquisition by Microsoft. You know, we expected maybe to see uh, some tie-in with Link, with Xbox and, and other bits and pieces. But um, I understand there's been, uh, there's been quite a bit going on behind the scenes uh, at Skype, uh, you know, tying into uh, the, the Messenger uh, platform and, and, you know, Microsoft various bits and pieces that, you know, some of which enable uh, these Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8 capabilities. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those uh, more technical things and, and, and other things that have been going on at, at Skype since the acquisition? Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, we've been quiet intentionally because we've been doing a ton of stuff under the covers. And I think, you know, step one of that was to become really, really great on kind of, like I said, these new class of devices that, you know, you care a lot about power consumption, you care about performance. And so having to re-architect Skype so that it will exist in this increasingly mobile world. So that was step one. And to do that, we actually were able to leverage a ton of things from Microsoft. So this was, you know, really standing on the backs of giants because um, using things like the Messenger backend, which, of course, Microsoft has today, and they've been operating for years and years, we actually are responsible for 80% of the traffic on the Messenger backend now. So unbeknownst to any of our users, we've kind of been transitioning them to this hybrid now, where we not only have, you know, peer-to-peer for the call quality that we enjoy today, but we also use client-server technologies in a hybrid way that actually combines these things together and gives you the best possible experience. So, you know, again, under the covers, this is the kind of thing that would have taken Skype, I think, years to do on its own, but being able to leverage kind of, you know, what's in the pantry at Microsoft has been super helpful towards us getting that important step one. I think, you know, the other things that we're really investing in is user interface and design. Um, you know, I think it's no accident that the Skype apps um, on Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8 just look beautiful. Um, you know, we're embracing the don't call it Metro, you know, modern design uh, that, that, you know, of course, Microsoft has been has been increasingly putting across the portfolio of products. Um, we think that actually just makes good sense, like the idea of, you know, focusing on people, removing all of the Chrome or the menus and the bars and instead just bringing the people and things you care about most forward, like those, those are not just Microsoft ideas. Those are just good ideas in general. And for Skype, which is such a people-centric product, it made a lot of sense for us. Um, and we, of course, wanted more and more integrate with Microsoft products. You know, you've seen this with what we're doing with Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8. Um, we now on um, 
on our other clients on the desktop, uh, the existing desktop classic clients, as well as uh, what we're doing on Mac, um, you can now sign in with a Microsoft ID or a Microsoft account, formerly known as a Live ID. Um, that gives you the added benefit of seeing your Messenger contacts if you were using Messenger in the past. Um, we continue to interoperate with Facebook, so you can see those contacts there as well. So really, you know, a strategy that, one, gets us competitive on, you know, this new class of devices. Two, we focus on user experience. And three, we really expand to the number of networks and people that you can connect with through things like Microsoft account, Facebook, etc. Right now, you know, talking about that integration with the uh, with the Live ID or, or the the window, uh, Microsoft account, um, where where is that going to going to head? I mean, for instance, you know, I'm I'm sitting in front of an Xbox here that uh, you know I log into that with a uh, with a Microsoft account. Um, you know, any indication you can uh, you can provide on where, where that sort of integration um, is heading? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious thing really is that Microsoft account is the linchpin for the entire world of devices that that, that Microsoft will either invest in or have services on. Um, you know, I think Microsoft is certainly moving towards becoming a devices and services company, which I think Steve Ballmer talked about to our financial analyst meeting and a few other things that you know, he's kind of been rolling out the strategy. And I think what you'll find is that every single one of those devices and or services is going to be attached to a Microsoft account. And if you think about the power of that, you know, not only having your identity that roams with you, but also the ability to see, you know, all of your settings, all of your favorites, all of your storage, you know, if you're using SkyDrive, and we'll increasingly want to look at things like that as well and, and what we're doing with Skype. Um, but beyond that, the, the ease of use, the single sign-on right now, if I set up a new Windows 8 device or a Windows RT device, as a matter of fact, I just got a Surface a couple weeks ago, I literally plugged in my Microsoft account, and when I, when I ran Skype, I didn't have to sign in again. It just logged me in. And it was just a beautiful thing. And so this single sign-on, I think, is a huge one. And, and certainly while we don't have anything to, to announce on Xbox, you know, you can see the progression where things are going. Um, you know, of course, having Xbox connecting to Microsoft account, you know, we're very well positioned there as well should we want to do something. Great. Now, you know, you were, you were sort of alluding there to, uh, to Skype give, being able to use uh, SkyDrive. Um, you know, we see in the market at the moment, uh, you know, Google Plus with their Hangouts capability uh, and and an ability to, uh, to you know to use their their, their product there, um, you know, to do a live stream and to upload into uh, into YouTube and so on. Um, what sort of you know what are the what are the potential things that I guess you guys could uh, you know could could deliver with that sort of SkyDrive integration in the future? Well, you know, I think, I mean, we, I, I'm not here to announce anything in particular, but sure. I think if you, uh, you can, you can take your mind for a walk and you can think about just some very easy scenarios that could come from, from integration with SkyDrive. I mean, SkyDrive being the storage platform for Microsoft and increasingly for other third parties as well, I think there's huge opportunity for us to, to make things simple and easy. Like right now, like I said, if we're moving from this always connected world where people are on Skype and you have to keep the app running all the time towards this occasionally connected environment where, you know, you're using it on your mobile phone, you're using it on your slate, you're in and out of elevators, you're in and out of the tube. I mean, you're, you're occasionally connected. I, I can think of SkyDrive being a huge asset towards bridging that gap. If people are trying to send you files, things like that, right now that's a very peer-to-peer. -peer. I try to send you a file through Skype. Um, you have to accept it. We're both online. It's transferred from your computer to mine, which, you know, is incredibly valuable because you can send files of any size, right? If I, if I want to send an 8-gigabyte file to you, there's, there's very few ways I can do that.
day. Um, most even of the storage um, uh, sites like Dropbox and others have caps on those types of things. Um, but, you know, thinking about SkyDrive and how things that I get sent through Skype could be automatically archived, they could be available for later use, you know, we could have, you know, upsell the premium services that just automatically store everything that you've been, um, you know, you've been putting um, through Skype and sending to your colleagues. I mean, these are obvious, I mean, obvious points of integration. As you, and, and again, nothing, I'm not announcing anything, there's no product plan necessarily on this, but I'm just taking your mind for a walk on these kind of things. Um, you know, if you look at what's been done on, on Office and the way that Office has integrated SkyDrive, so not only do you get storage, but you get the added benefit of that tight integration, such as opening a PowerPoint presentation, and it shows you where you left off. Hey, pick up a slide 13. Oh, hey, you had some comments here. You were in the middle of writing. I mean, you can just do very interesting things when you kind of have control over the integration point. Great. Now, um, if if we look at you know Skype, you're in a pretty dominant uh, position in in the market. Does that uh, does that create any challenges for you, or or do you primarily get benefits from sort of being the uh, you know the main tool that people use for uh, you know for for video communications globally, uh, and and uh, and you know for voice calls too. You know, I think we have a, we have a really interesting opportunity here because um, you know us. Being as prolific as we are means that we need to continue to invest in multi-platform, and we should be going even harder after the likes of Android, iOS. You know, we're we're out of the box on Kindle Fire and all the new line of Kindle uh, tablets. I mean, these things will just continue to be so important to us, and so we need to balance. I think what we do uh, in a in in a multi-platform, like what do we do to maintain our network effect, adding new capabilities and new features that are available for everyone, but still finding interesting ways for Microsoft products to be differentiated in a way that doesn't break that network effect. Um, you know, maybe we can invest on and, and, and differentiate on quality um, by, you know, for instance, working with the Surface team on the next version of their slate and making sure that it has the highest quality camera, that it has the best microphones, you know, whatever is just an example. Um, so I think that's, that's not necessarily a challenge. I think there's a huge opportunity for us to, to figure out and solve some of these challenges, actually, of like, how do we continue our network effect, invest in go hard after multi-platform and there's no signs of a stopping there um, but at the same time find these little nuggets that can that can differentiate and help Microsoft in the devices and services category as well sure now um, and look at looking at those other platforms that, that Skype is on and uh, you know Skype really seems to be on you know j- just about every platform even uh, you know obscure ones like WebOS uh, you know what what can we expect going forward with those platforms are we you know are we going to see iOS and, and Android able to uh, you know integrate more tightly with Skype as we see for instance uh, on on Windows 8 you know, I think um, there's nothing stopping us, so we'll put it that way. I, I, I mean, nothing's stopping us internally. If, if you're suggesting that there's, you know, some internal politics or something that would keep us from going tight or integrating as, as tightly as possible, I don't think that's the case at all. I think we will always be beholden to what Google and Apple allow. And, you know, of course, they have competing communication services as well. So they need, I think that's a balance that we need to strike. Um, but, you know, on things like Android, we are very tightly integrated. And, you know, of course, Android is um, 
you know, the challenge with Android is that depending on what version or what handset you have, the experience can be quite different. Um, but on many Android handsets, um, we are tightly integrated into the contact list. We have presence indicators, so you can see when your Skype contacts are in line right within right within the contact list. Um, we can set Skype as the default dialer, so any phone number you tap on on Android can dial through Skype if you'd like to. Um, so, you know, there, we're definitely exploiting those things as we can and as the platforms allow iOS is a little bit more um, structured, and so I think it's, it's, it's actually more difficult for us to, for instance, integrate into contact lists and things like that. And, I mean, having, having for instance, you know, uh, Skype as a default dialer, what sort of challenges does that create with the, uh, with the carriers, and, uh, you know, how, how do they feel about uh, the move away from them being able to generate call revenues uh, and everything just becomes uh, internet, internet traffic? Is that uh, well, is that something of a challenge for uh, you know I guess for for Microsoft in terms of selling their phones and 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 for Skype? Do you have any uh, you know any difficulties there? Well, I think you know the first thing to note is that generally speaking, you know the vast majority of people that get Skype download it from an app store. Right, so I think um, mobile operators are well aware that consumerization is happening. Um, they're not going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle, <laughs> and uh, people are going to go and download the apps that they care about, you know. And I think as a result, you know, depending on where you are in the world, operators are responding in kind. And I think we'll see a move more and more towards operators, um, you know, giving more and more unlimited voice and text because, you know, clearly those are becoming more and more like a utility, um, and instead um, really monetizing and giving, you know, kind of marginal um, upsell on the data limits. So I wouldn't be surprised if over the time, um, you know, you really just as you walk into a mobile operator store choosing a three gig plan, a four gig plan, or a five gig plan, and that's really your only vector of choice. Um, and in that world, you know what? Skype uses data just like everything else. If Skype's using a lot of data because customers are using it a lot, well, then they're going to change from a four gig to a five gig plan, and that's all good for the operator. All right, and I mean we've heard about the operators uh, having having, uh, and I've forgotten the name of it, but launching their own, uh, um, you know, mess, uh, IP-based messaging system that would handle uh, instant messages and calls and so on that they might give a priority to. Uh, is that is that something that could impact Skype if they give a priority to, uh, you know, their own IP, uh, you know, calling capabilities and maybe push Skype further down the list? Yeah, I, I think you're talking about RCSE. Um, you know, I think it's um, – on that one in particular, I think, you know, consumers will ultimately make the choice. I think the real power with Skype is that we are available on pretty much every platform and everything that moves, you know. So we are the guys and the gals that you can come to if you want to use Skype to interact with basically any of your friends because most of the time, just numerically, you're – your friends will already have it, your friend, your family already have it, and it will be on a TV, it will be on gaming consoles like the PS Vita, it will be on PCs, slates, notebooks, and I just don't know that RCSE is going to have that broad of a footprint, uh, it is going to be that, that, that broadly available. Yeah, I think yeah, fair, fair comment. Certainly, certainly in the in the in the short term, and uh, you know, I guess we've seen other platforms uh, uh, come into play, and it, it is uh, you know, it's pretty hard to uh, to get that level of adoption. Uh, certainly, in, unless every phone just comes with it as as standard. Now, um, tell us a little bit about Skype's growth. We hear that Skype's been uh, you know been experiencing uh, you know fairly solid growth over the last uh, you know twelve months or so. Um, can you share with with us some some numbers? And some details of where that growth is coming from? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're at a very exciting time right now. I think, you know, we're, we're somewhere in the 280 million connected users uh, zone every month. So just a, sh- a huge amount of consumers obviously logging on, using Skype every month. And the way we think about connected users is that they're actually interacting with the product every month, not just necessarily leaving it on. So we're seeing great engagement in that way, lots of use, obviously, that's very helpful. You know, I think what's interesting is that a lot of our growth is coming from mobile, and I think that's why you're seeing, um, you know, kind of the strategy that where we're embarking on making ourselves really competitive, re-architecting in all the ways that we need to to become competitive on mobile, um, because we're seeing a lot of our new connected users coming through um, iOS, Android, and indeed Windows Phone as well. Um, as a matter of fact, just to put a finer point on that, you know, we are actually – installed on one in three iPads, we are installed on one in four iPhones, and we are installed on one in five, one in six Androids, depending on how you count the install base Android. So I think just a huge opportunity right now um, for us to just be, you know, kind of the de facto communications provider that does span across these platforms, especially as consumers are are going for more and more um, choice and, and indeed, we're seeing platforms like Android, Challenge iOS, Windows 8 coming in as a challenger, uh, certainly in the, in the PC and the tablet space as well. Great. And what are the features that, uh, you know, that, that are sort of standing out for, uh, from Skype's perspective that you're noticing uh, that people are using more and more, that, you know, other than the, the sort of core features, uh, you know, such as group video calling and, and, and so on? Which of those are you, are you sort of seeing a high uptake in? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I think we're, we're breaking up a little bit, but I, I think I understood the question, which is, you know, what, what are the features that are standing out beyond the core? You know, I think for the first time, we're really investing in new capabilities um, that are specialized for the use cases on the platforms in which people are uh, experiencing them. So, for instance, um, we're seeing a huge uptake in this new feature we launched um, called photo sharing on iOS and Android. People are exchanging lots of photos every day, so that's been really good for us. It's been really surprising to see how many people have engaged with that feature. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, continued growth on the, on the desktop platforms uh, in things like file sharing, people using file sharing, using group video calling in ways that they, they hadn't before, um, which is, of course, driving more premium subscriptions for us, which, uh, which helps. So, yeah, those kind of things are really, I think, are the, the biggies right now. Okay, okay. Um and you know what do you what do you think is is sort of uh, you know coming coming up ahead for Skype? What other things should we be uh, you know should we be expecting over the next sort of tw- you know twelve or eighteen months? Is uh, you know is it all about sort of you know continued integration with Microsoft's other platforms? Um, you know, are there any other particular uh, areas that uh, that people should be looking out for? Yeah, I think you know, the, the, the first thing is, you know, continue on this, this trek towards becoming always reachable. You know, doing that with Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8 have been, you know, kind of a first and best on Microsoft, and, and the platforms were so easy to work with, we were able to get that done fastest. But I think you'll be able to see that 
always reachable edict kind of playing itself out across our other platforms over time. I mean, that's certainly where we want to go. Um, investing in user experiences I talked about with uh, the modern UI that we continue to bring, uh, you know, to, to Windows 8 and Windows uh, Windows Phone. We're looking at how we can actually start to uh, invest in user experience more broadly. How do we how do we improve user experience? How do we continue to get feedback from customers? I, I've certainly seen a huge emphasis on testing and usability um, that we've been really ramping up over the last six months or so, so I think you'll start to see the fruits of that very soon. And then, like I said, continue to expand the network. Um, you know, and this is kind of a twofold thing, which is, you know, the number of places where we connect up to so that you can get your contacts into Skype or where you can communicate with people through Skype as your kind of your default kind of suite of communications, um, but also continuing to be, uh, invest in the number of places where Skype shows up. So this is really about new platforms, new form factors, just continuing to embrace our multi-platform heritage so that we really truly are the communications provider that people will rely on um, every day for their communications. Okay, you, you talked about uh, increased testing and and uh, and the like. Uh, you know, we look at Skype on iOS, for instance. It's got a pretty low star, uh, you know, rating in the in the App Store. Is this the sort of stuff that you know we expect will improve the quality, uh, you know, of for, uh, Skype running on on platforms such as iOS? Yeah, I think um, we're very attentive to feedback from customers, you know, so I think one of the things that's been really great is, you know, working with these mobile platforms, unlike our Heritage and PC, is they have an app store connected to them. So you're always able to get feedback from customers. You get it in nearly real time. And so if you're doing something wrong or if something isn't liked or some change is made, you hear about it fast. Um, So I think, you know, a big thing for us on iOS right now is um, getting iPhone 5 support. Uh, making sure that, you know, the black bars on the top and the bottom of the screen, which, you know, many people in the App Store have cited as a reason why applications are are getting low ratings right now. Like, that's something we need to address, and, of course, we're working on that. Um, you know, I think there's there's beyond that, though. I think this is, again, this continued investment in user experience, um, like really getting good about testing concepts before the release, um, doing A-B testing, you know, around whether or not the landing uh, page should be recent or should be favorite. Should it be the contact list? Like figuring out these things, um, making sure customers really understand how to navigate the app, um, and and also that they understand you know how to get Skype and how to get it um, loaded up with all their contacts. We know that a critical thing for Skype um, for users to become engaged is to to increase the number of contacts in their first 30 days of use. And so continue to invest in those types of things as well. I think are going to be very uh, very important to us over time. Right, so that that's an area where we might see sort of some of the um, you know features we see on on uh, you know some of the other uh, you know, I guess social applications where they maybe automatically bring in uh, bring in you know contacts out of uh, out of other networks and so on. Is that the sort of thing that uh, you know might come down the down the pike in the future? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things we can do. You know, certainly social input. Word is one avenue you can go. Increasing your, improving your search is is another one. Right now, if you search Skype, you know you search for my name, Derek Snyder. Um, it doesn't use uh, your IP address and, and associated geography. It doesn't use the fact that you may have common friends. Like it doesn't do any of the kind of the obvious things that you know other social networks like Facebook do today to help search be really good. So there's some easy ones we could we could do there um, certainly. So yeah, I think it's it's multifaceted approach towards improving things like finding contact adding them, et cetera. Great. 
Oh, that sounds that sounds good. Well, certainly looking forward to uh, to, to watching and uh, and 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 seeing as uh, Skype progresses. So, uh, thank you very much for your time, uh, Derek. Good to get that uh, that update from uh, from Skype HQ. 